You're listening to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. Youth ministry isn't easy, and you don't have much time. That's why this is a car ride's worth of content to help you reimagine, revive, and rebuild youth ministry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. I am Allie, your host, and I am here with Daniel today. Together, we're the student ministry team at Church of the Nativity in Timonium, Maryland. This podcast is a way for us to share with you some things we've learned through our time in ministry. In today's car ride's worth of content, we're going to talk about how to move your students out. But first, as always, I need to ask my favorite question. Daniel, what are you loving? Well, Allie... For the second time, I'm listening to The Hunger Games on my phone. Oh. That's what I listen to when I go around. It's such a good story. I was surprised how much I liked it. I listened to it like two or three or maybe four years ago, and I just was searching for something to listen to the other day, and I still have it on Audible. It's just a really good story. It's really well written, (laughs) and um, the characters kind of bring you in and... Yeah, anyway. I've never gotten really into it. Never read the book. I saw a couple of the movies, maybe the first and second one. But the movies are pretty good, but the books are better. Good. That's well. Always. That's yeah. Always. <laughs> yeah, I never got into it, but I believe they're good. Well, I am loving Kavita drinks. Have you? I don't even know if I'm pronouncing them right. I've but heard. But have of you them. ever heard of them? Are they coffee? No, 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 no. They're like. A fizzy drink. They kind of remind me of kombucha, even though I've never really had kombucha. I think that's what they taste. it tastes like. Okay. It's like fizzy and there's like a live probiotic in it, but I like the lemon ginger flavor. It's just good for you. That sounds exactly like kombucha. Yeah, sure right? they're not kombucha? <laughs> they're, they're not. They don't say that on the bottle at least, but I think they're pretty similar. Okay. So they are really yummy. So that's what I'm loving right now. I like to have some in the morning. Awesome. So we spend so much time planning for our teens through middle and high school and praying for them and thinking about what they need to hear and how we can guide and support them through their faith journey. But our job isn't just getting them through middle and high school. It's building a foundation for them beyond the time in our programs. So how do we set them up for success? How do we move them out? Yeah, for even the best small group leaders, there's a point where you're not going to be a small group leader for your teens anymore and what happens after that. Um, So that's where you need to focus on the bigger story of their lives. We're just a small part of that as a small group leader, but we want to be hopefully an ongoing part of it. Um, One of the things that stands out to me about my dad, it's not a small group leader, but I think this kind of applies when we're talking about moving them out. My dad says that his proudest thing as a parent was having five kids who all ended up being independent and very different from one another, but with a sense of self and a connection to our family. And that's, I think, what you want out of um, your time leading a young person in a small group is for them to have a sense of who they are, to be independent, to be able to um, make choices as they grow and to continue to kind of speak wisdom and be part of their life even after they're not in your small group anymore yeah and for them to take ownership of their faith as they move out of the programs graduate go on to bigger and better things you'll always be someone to support them in their journey but for them to take ownership of it too because their faith can't rise and fall on just coming to your program every week or just having you in their life or having their small group whatever it may be that has to be more than that 
So to help you with that, we have three things that we believe will help you to move out your teens as they grow older. And the first one is to help them to make good decisions. So this comes from helping them to process things. In your time that you have your teens, whether it's for a year or four years or seven years, however long you're their small group leader, that you would help them to process the decisions that they're making during that time. And you do that by asking questions. So you don't always offer a lot of great answers, even when you know the answers or even when your teens ask for them. And they do ask for them sometimes. <laughs> they just want an, a clear answer. And if you look at how Jesus answered people's um, thoughts or questions, he oftentimes would ask questions right back at someone. Oh, sometimes. I just remember like my mom doing that to me. I'm like, no, tell me. I'm asking <laughs> just you know for answer. a reason. <laughs> yeah. So ask questions and always offer a lot of answers to help them to come to conclusions. And then... By doing that, we consistently help our young people develop their conscience because that's really what they can take with them is this sense of morality that can guide them when they have to make decisions as young adults and then into adulthood. And you help them to talk about mistakes before they ever even happen. Um, so you make it clear that you're not there to judge them or their choices, that mistakes will happen. We're fallen, we're sinful, we will make mistakes at different points in our lives, but there are opportunities to learn from them too. So you want to help them to make better choices the next time they're faced with um, the same sort of situation. Do you remember, Allie, when we were on retreat and um, one of our leaders, Joe, had this group of small group boys? He didn't even have them in his small group regularly, he just had them at retreat. Just for that weekend, yeah. But he said to them, you can call me in any situation. And they actually have. There's been a couple of real crisis situations where some of those boys have called Joe. They have his number and they've, they've just called him to say, I don't, I don't know what to do right now. But it took him saying that for the guys to feel like it was an option, even when they make a mistake. Or I, there was one situation I know of in particular where a young man was really in crisis with his family and some things were going wrong that were out of his control and and he just felt kind of helpless and he called joe um to try to figure out what to do and to make a decision yeah he needed someone else other than his parents because his parents were part of the storm he was going through in that moment and he had joe there because he remembered what joe said it's awesome yeah so when as a small group leader is seeing teens make mistakes and then learning from them. And that's what we want to help them to do because they'll do that throughout life. Um, but we're, I think, so afraid of mistakes and, and averse to mistakes that we, we don't let our teens fail very often anymore. Yeah, they have a huge fear of failure too. Teens these days have so much pressure on them in every outlet of their life that they are extremely aware of the possibility of failure in a lot of ways. And so we communicate with them and make it known that it's okay if you do fail and it's okay if you do make a mistake and you're going to learn from it and you're going to grow from it and we're here for you through it. Yes. All right. So number one way to move them out is to help them make decisions. And number two is to help them see the value in a faith community. So we want to give them some responsibilities that have significance at, at Nativity 
we have high schoolers who are, we have one that's actually working on our website and he took all the pictures and does the videography for it. Um, And he um, does a lot of that sort of work for us uh, during the summer, especially, but during the year as well. We have um, a teen who this weekend actually just ran our entire weekend production from the tech booth. So that was everything that went on the screens, which videos were popping up from which cameras, um, all of that. We have teens who lecture. We have teens who lead our time travelers, kids liturgy of the word, who are small group leaders for kids and for uh, middle schoolers. And they've gone on mission opportunities and trips. So all over teens feel like they have value because they're doing something significant here. Have you seen that in some of our teens with kids or our student programs? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's incredible to see. I've worked with between the student programs and the kids programs with both and to watch the students that we have in our programs in action as leaders on Sunday mornings with the younger kids is just awesome. And you did that at one time too, right? I did that. Yes, I did. That's what I did. All through middle and high school, I worked in our little nursery we called Kid Zone here at Nativity every weekend, every mass, and now look at me. <laughs> Just all grown up, changing the world. So another way that we want our teens to value a faith community is to have them uh, build relationships so that they value getting together consistently. I don't really love this phrase, but everybody sort of knows what it means now because it's common doing life together. Why does that bother you? I don't know. I just don't like that phrase that much, but it's very much (laughs) like what small group is about is doing life together. So you pick each other up when you're going through tough times. And my mom always says about marriage that it's, it's never 50, 50. It's always 60, 40, 70, 30, 90, 10, Um, but it's always moving around. So sometimes one spouse is giving 70% and the other's mm-hmm. receiving. And I think that's kind of how small groups and relationships are as well. You support someone when they're going through something tough. And then when you are going through something tough, they can support you. Yeah, absolutely. And we, I think through our programs, they develop that community in small group, hopefully. But they also learn the value of it so that they find it in different ways so that they can do life together, that they can gather separately to support one another. We This past weekend... A couple of our high school leaders were a leader for our small group at our middle school camp a few weeks ago, and they texted their whole group and said, let's all go to mass together and recruited this whole small group of middle schoolers and their high school leaders to all go and sit at mass together, which is just awesome. They were empowered to take that upon themselves to keep that connection that they made over the camp going and just have that faith community. All about relationships. And really the reason that we do it is because Christ commanded us to love one another and to love one another isn't just um, to know each other in a passing way, but to have some deep relationships like Jesus did with the apostles specifically and even with a smaller group within the apostles, kind of his inner circle. So we believe that faith grows in circles and circles are in small groups. We learn in rows at church. We grow in circles, in small groups. So ways that you can connect your young person in a faith community, even beyond your time with them. There's a Newman connection, which is um, people who put together all the Newman centers where students might be moving when they're going to college or moving to a new area. 
Um, but you as a youth minister can look up Newman centers, young adult groups for the area where your teens are headed and try to connect them in that way. Um, but make sure that they know if they're moving on to a new place, a new physical location, that there's a faith community that's around them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So we have three things to help move teens out. Number one is to help them make decisions. Number two, help them see the value in a faith community. And third, help them to find other relationships besides the ones that they have with you and with your small group, because they are going to move on to different things. They'll move to new areas. They'll move to new challenges. They'll move to new churches. So how do you help them to find other relationships? Well, mentoring is one of the most powerful things that you can do at any age, but college and young adulthood is really the ideal time to have a mentor because, as Allie knows, as a recent college grad, (laughs) you make lots of big life decisions. Yes, crazy time in your life. Definitely need some good people around you to support you and help you through. And I have a few people that I've uh, kept in contact with for quite a while, um, and I just set a reminder in my phone to check on them each month. I don't do it every single month, but it goes off on my phone and I will check in with them pretty regularly. Um, And they go through hard things. I have teens that I had at the beginning of my career as a youth minister. I've been in youth ministry for about 10 years. And teens from the beginning have um, fallen in love and gotten married and now um, have kids or even have gotten to the point where they're getting a divorce. And so you go through all of these life stages and I, I want to try to be there for them, not for every single teen, but for a few. Yeah. And that's where as small group leaders, you need your people to really step up. So um, other ways that you can help them to find relationships beyond your time with them. Um, like we said, Newman centers and young adult groups, you can connect them with. But if you know other campus ministers, you have connections at a church that's nearby where they're moving, you know, community leaders, or something that people did for me when I was going into college is they said, oh, I have some family that's in that area. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, I'll be honest, I never took advantage of it. But I think for a lot of young people that that can be a really good outlet just to go over and have like a home cooked meal mm-hmm. and have family life when they're away at college or as a young adult or moving to a new city can be really nice. So it's a time to let go of um, control with your relationship where you don't have like a set time that you meet with them or anything anymore, but you still try to try to stay in touch. Have you had those sort of people in your life, Allie? Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, my youth minister growing up was awesome. I was super close to him. And I remember right before I left for college, I had this moment of like, what am I going to do? Because I, this is how I connect with my faith and this is where I get centered every week I come to this program and now I'm not going to have it. What am I supposed to do? And he said, I have not done my job if your faith is rising and falling on this. If you go to college and you don't ha- can't continue it. He's like, I know you can. I know you have a faith. It's not about this here in this church with these people. It's about more than that. And he's been a continuous person in my life, obviously, that has let go, but stayed in touch and just empowered me to take on my own faith. And that's why we count Allie as one of our biggest wins Aww. in this area. <laughs> we sent her out into the world, then she came back. Yes. And now works at Nativity. <laughs> um, and I wanted to share just briefly a, a big win from early in my youth ministry life. 
Um, I had these two teens. I just had them for a year, and really they were more the teens that the youth minister prior to me had um, because I just got them as seniors, and they were kind of half halfway out anyway. <laughs> but good guys, and they went to college, and um, they had uh, just made some bad decisions, I guess, in college. Got into the party scene, ended up failing out, and they mm. came back home, and by that time, I had actually left that job, but I came back to visit one time in the fall, and they had just moved back into the area. This was in Washington State. They moved back into the area, and we got a bunch of people together for dinner while I was there just so I could see a lot of people in the limited amount of time that I was visiting. And when I saw them, and I really, like I said, wasn't that close to them, but they came running up and gave me this big bear hug and Aww. picked me up off the ground. <laughs> And just told me all about what they were doing and how they'd gotten re-engaged at church, which they'd really fallen away from when they were in college and they were starting a business together and they'd really gotten their lives back on track. I mean, part of that was coming back to the church. It was sort of this, I mean, you don't want to call it a fallback plan because it's much more than that, but it ended up being that for them. Like, what do I do now? I've Mm -hmm. failed out of school. I have to come home, you know, kind of with a little bit of embarrassment and they just decided to come back to church and it was a huge moment in their lives. And I just felt like this, ah, this is what youth ministry is about. Oh, that's awesome. That's so sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Life's not perfect, but it moves them out. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today on Uprising. We love you guys. Next time we'll talk about how to make your program the best night of the week for your students. 